the bills make me wanna Shout. kick your heels up. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. It's been a minute. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Happy 2019, first time we've recorded in the new year, maybe? It is, and uh, joining us, as always, the president of the Bills Backers of Chicago, Sujit, is also here. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, So we are through the exciting parts of free agency. Lord knows what's going to happen between now and training camp. We'll probably talk again on draft night, but between now and then, we've got a lot of new additions to this team. Probably not a lot of takes tonight that you haven't already heard. But we haven't had a chance to talk to you, so we're going to use the opportunity now. Subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your loved ones, tell everybody you know in Bill's Nation how you found this podcast. I'm not drinking beer tonight. More on that later. Suge is not drinking beer tonight. But, More on that later. But Cassie is. I am drinking. So let's not let's not waste any more time. We're Bill's in kind of beers. In kind of beers. Go Bill. Shout it right now, baby. Come on, come on. Say you will. Come on. March 7th, 2019. Cassie and I meet in the concourse at the United Center just before the Buffalo Sabres fall in a shootout to the Chicago Blackhawks. We exchange pleasantries. Looking forward to seeing you at your St. Paddy's Day party, Cassie. Looking good. Jay, always great to see you. Bye-bye. I leave. I'm with a lot of work people. They all decide they're going to head on home. I thought, well, that's a pretty good idea, but I'm not going to try to get a cab home in this mess just now, so I'm going to duck across the bar. I'll have one more drink, then hop at a lift and head on home. I get into the bar. I look at my phone. I pull up the Twitters, and there's a tweet from Ian Rappaport. Damn you, Ian. Antonio Brown headed to the Buffalo Bills. Now, I'm in a very unique place right now because I'm in the city of Chicago surrounded by Sabres fans. And I'm just showing my phone to everybody. Like, is you, are you seeing this? Is nobody else excited about this? What? How am, I, how am I supposed to process this? However, I'm surrounded mostly by Sabres fans, people who don't really care a lot about the Bills. So opportunity missed. I go home. I can hardly sleep. I get up the next morning. (laughs) The whole thing's gone. Oh, well. Better luck next time. The Bills went, as they've been saying, big game hunting. The reason it fell apart, nobody will know for sure. Are we better off with or without Antonio Brown? Suge, take it away. So, you know, as... As happened, I remember during everybody that's been on uh, the Two Bills Drives website knows the stadium wall, and we all used to hit F5 to refresh the feed. That was when Mario Williams came in, right? Ground up and in the freezer or something like that. So there's these moments in Bills history that you never forget when there was a major signing and we're all excited. And lately, the way that happens to us is that I look at my phone and there's 70 fucking messages from our group me text thread. Um, that says that, oh, you've missed something really big. Like, I know you've been working all morning, but you so stop everything. Tell everybody to close your door of your office and go find out what's happening. And that's what happened. I was working. I don't know what I was doing. I fell asleep, woke up, and the last, so I saw the last text first, and it was 
where the fuck is Sajit? <laughs> so it was at like four or five o'clock in the morning. I'm you know getting ready for work, and I read this thing, and you know it was a backwards picture where I see. Antonio Brown's actually not coming to the Bills. And then, like, as you go further and further back, it's like, oh, Antonio Brown's totally coming to the Bills. It's like, so it's a little anticlimactic for me, but all I could think looking at it from retrospect was, man, thank God. I can't think of a worse person for a young quarterback. Now, that's what I thought when I knew of Antonio Brown from what I had heard. But since that time, I've heard really nothing but kind of positive mentoring aspects of Antonio Brown. Um, but I think that the way he held, walked about it was bad. But there's also been a lot more bad stuff that came about Ben Roethlisberger. But either way, wouldn't it have been nice to get a huge number one receiver if the the narrative about him is actually true, or the subsequent narrative about him is actually true, that he's actually a good team player and all that? Yeah, it would have been great. But do we need it? No. I think that there's plenty of other holes to be filled. Um, I don't think we needed one big name. We needed several moderate names. Well, more on that. Uh, so, <clears throat> from my perspective, I have uh, I have two points. I have a very good friend from high school is a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and the first thing she texts me is like, "Ugh, like you don't like." She was like, "You do not want him." Really? Okay. She was like, "Yeah, congrats!" Like question mark. She's like, "Being a Steelers fan, not happy with him, what he's done to their team, and and the overall performance that he has had." Um, so I was very happy when then she responded when it didn't happen, being like, yeah, you're in a much better place. Secondarily, what I was so excited about when we were starting to talk about it and, oh, he's coming, was, holy crap, a big wide receiver thinks Josh Allen's the real thing. Uh, uh. I immediately was like, vindication, validation, Antonio Brown's not coming here if he doesn't have a quarterback to get him the ball. And immediately I was like, awesome. We've got like, he's saying that Josh Allen is the real deal. You know, so one thing that I thought of the other day, and I haven't heard this theory floated. Suj, I haven't been spending the amount of time on the message boards that you have. Um, but so maybe it's already out there. We don't, we don't know why this thing fell through. We don't, we, everybody has speculated, you know, and, I think the fact that he signed with the Raiders shot a lot of holes in the he's too good for Buffalo theory. I mean, unless it's all about the weather, in which case, as Eric Wood said on Twitter, guys don't pick teams for that reason, and the ones who do, you don't want on your team. Or he's playing the long game to get to Vegas, maybe? But, but again, I stand by Eric Wood's point, which I think is valid. One theory, though, that I haven't heard is... They might have been, you know, Brandon Bean's doing his due diligence and then one text to McDermott and McDermott said absolutely not and that's what killed it. Yeah, I, I part of me thinks that there was a component that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about Antonio Brown's openness to it. You know, and but Brandon Bean was pretty fucking pissed when discussing this in, in about, his press about conference. It, how about the rumor that it was because Antonio Brown didn't want to come. Yeah. Um, and and from Tony Brown's agent came out there and said that that wasn't true. I, you know, of course they're all going to say that. Um, but I do think that the, it's it's a it's a simple marriage, right? It's it's this idea that yeah, we want this guy here. He's a great player. He'll do he'll do great things here, and we worked out a plan. And but if there's any hesitation from that player, then I don't want him here. Right. Right. And so 
It's not that he he probably was like, uh, I don't know, is it Buffalo? I don't know. What well, what what's it? And so then they're like, you know what? Forget it. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth. Or maybe it came down to, hey, well, what's the what's the new contract you're gonna get me, right? So once it actually got into the players' hands about how are you gonna keep me long term, maybe that's what fell apart. I I do think there was probably a player aspect to it, but I don't think it was as simple as I don't want to come to Buffalo. I mean, come on. There's that, been that, major that, major major players that have come to Buffalo. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the only thing about the whole, you know, he's not a good quarterback and that's why Antonio Brown didn't come here, is that Cole, Beas- Cole Beasley's entire career is based on a quarterback throwing to him with timing routes, with when he gets open, he sees him and throws it to him. And so Cole Beasley said the, one of the main reasons I came was Josh Allen. And he said I could have gone to the Patriots. Who's like, I mean, if anyone has been a... A, a prototype Patriots receiver, it's right. Cole Beasley. 100%. Right? He could have gone there. He probably could have won another championship, and yet, and probably they didn't offer him as much money. But I can't believe that he would say that the only re- the one big reason is, is Josh Allen. It, you could send a million things. You could have said, I love the program. I love what they're building there. I like the quarterback. But he specifically said, hey, I like Josh Allen. And so I think that says a lot that, that you know, these talking heads, the PFF guys who are literally talking with their heads in their ass. They, I mean, they, they use their stats to equivalent player play, and that's why none of the players buy into them. Um, but they're so down on Josh Allen. They're like, oh, well, you know, you can't use a, a – he's so inaccurate. He's I, so I inaccurate, want to, I want to talk more about that later. So anyway, I, I, so I, I, want, I want to that, d- dive deep into that because that's another thing that I haven't been – Heard discussed a lot lately, and I want to I want to gut check with you, but I want but not yet. Yeah, no. So okay, so but the point is that I don't think that the fact that Antonio Brown didn't come here is a sign that Josh Allen's bad. I think no. that it was just more just players that you know weren't weren't a good fit. And and I'm not saying that it was a Josh Allen's bad thing. I just thought that it was the validation. validation. It just got me excited about it. Yeah, and I hear you. But again, uh, this idea that Bean is just out there doing his thing, and then. You know, at some point, he has to get buy-in from other stakeholders who include the Pagulas, who include the Leadership yeah. Council, who include McDermott. And, like, any of those people can be like, you know, not worth it. The guy who takes a helicopter to training camp or takes a, a Rolls-Royce convertible to training camp. Like, maybe this is not the guy we want around. I mean, they, they could have easily vetoed it. We, do, we don't know. My counter-argument to that from, a, like, a psychoanalysis perspective is, like, his response then via social media, though— where he was like fake news. I don't know. Like if you're the one that's getting turned down, you're not going to be like telling everyone, oh, it's fake news. Like, but if you're the one turning people down, like if you're in the control seat, then you're going to control that message. I, and, and that made me think like, okay, he controlled the message. So he wanted the message to be out there that it's not happening. And it was probably due to his accord. Well, the that's other way, the other way to look at that though, too, is that he's a player who has been steamrolled over the last four months by people talking out of school with him giving a very candid, open question, like, you know, the a lot of fuzzy facts, interviews. So he, he may have been like, well, this is probably not the best time to be saying bad things about somebody else. Is another way to look at that. Right. I mean, he could have just as simply said that, hey, it's not going to work out. And he's like, well, I don't got the narrative saying that I don't come out there. So I'm just going to deny that it was ever a thing from the beginning. Because you know, that is like, oh, fake news. There right? is plausible deni- deniability for all sides, the yeah. less they say. Yeah. I mean, this is the way that it should have happened. What shouldn't have happened was people just making very strong statements like, this person is coming to the bill. You know, where did Ian Rappaport, by the way, get that info? That, so that's that's been speculated on it, and I think that Sal is the one that floated the theory, and I have to agree with it that the only people that had any 
stake in leaking that would have been the Pittsburgh people because that that accelerates their timeline. It puts the puts the pressure on the Bills because now it's public. Now they're gonna get other fan fan pressure to, to to like hurry up and get this done. Why didn't you do it? It's gonna make you look bad. So that that to me is the only scenario that makes sense. But I, it, it was weird that a reporter of his caliber, which again I, I take you back to that bar, me and the Sabres fans, and I, I even said to the guy like, this is a source that. Like, this is a pretty legit source, but you didn't hear anything from Schefter or any of those other guys. It's just bizarre that that one guy had it completely wrong or jumped the gun so severely. Watching the Syracuse game start here, and there is um, a, a very loud Syracuse fan here. But the, you know, the, the question is, do you have to submit something to the league, maybe? Like, could there be leaks in the league level? Yes. Like only I know after the contract is done and all that you have to submit it, but I, I, I who knows who like I often like just wonder like how many people are in that organization or any organization for that matter that can be tapped by these guys as sources. Like how many people have eyes and ears on confidential stuff? And we we have said this on this podcast before that and if you're listening to us for the first time, one of the things that we freely admit is that we don't know shit. Yeah. And we say that with the caveat of nobody else does either. That this is all wild speculation. And that whatever we see on the field on Sundays makes up, at best, 40% of the whole story. So all we can do is is look and interpret. We got three pretty bright people here on the microphone. So the interpretation that we give we think is usually pretty well tied to reality. And a lot of the stuff that we say is... Tends to tends to come out in the wash as being pretty true, but ultimately it depends a how much game. I've been drinking. I'm not gonna lie. Well, well, so uh, more gonna be extra smart today. So we're, we'll get we'll get into all the free agency signings. Yeah, but, but fuck the fuck but, the people that didn't come but, here. Let's talk about the people that but, did but come first, here. First, first of all, confession time. So Suge is teetotaling tonight. Yeah. So I thought I'd take a different approach. You know, I was a little concerned about the fact that Jeff Day thought I had a stroke at some point during our <laughs> last podcast. Uh, and I went real hard after the, the problem is you can't start St. Patrick's Day by going to Cassie Hutton's party. You just can't do that because it, nothing else goes well. It's been two years in a row, and it's just three. Actually, no. Last year I ended at Cassie Hutton's party, which was an even worse idea. Uh, but today, last time I, I only went till four o'clock, and then I had to go back home and do some other stuff. But still, I was so broken, and it was just it was time to, to take away. Some time spent away from, from that, that brown, beautiful amber goddess of beer. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, so this week I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break from beer. But um, tell you what I'm not taking away f- a break from. I'm still going to get all the fucking players' names wrong. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure as fuck not not going to swear. I'm sorry, Miss <laughs> Day. It ain't going to happen because I just don't know how. <laughs> so that's where we're at. I'm still going to talk like I grew up in the ghetto, even though I grew up in the suburbs of Rochester. And I'm still probably going to slur my words. So doesn't make no sense, but I'm going to do it. I want to I want to explain why I'm not having beer. But first, I want to touch on the fact that, like you said, starting your day at Cassie's is can can be hazardous. Um, the last time I went to Cassie's was two years ago because la- oh, last year, you know, what? last year we we hosted a brunch that day. Um for our monthly thing. Um, Probably a little bit different than the party that we host. Yes. <laughs> but the year before, Jackie was at the time about six months pregnant. So she was she was off the stuff. 
I was not. We had dinner plans that night that did not happen. And I don't, I don't generally push this envelope often. And quite honestly, I'm married to a woman that gives me a pretty, 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 like, broad runway when it comes to keeping it. And again, to my credit, I don't push those boundaries. I got in a lot of trouble that day. <laughs> I got in so much trouble because, like, it was like, this is the last beer, I swear. I probably said that 13 times. And then... Somehow I ended up at Higgins, <laughs> and then by the time I got home, like, and it was, it was, I got into so much trouble. The night was a complete bust, but I do recall because of the state that I was in, being like, "So can I just go back out then?" <laughs> and then like that's that's when the wheels really came <laughs> off. So yeah, uh, all credit be to Cassie's party. I I will say if you ever get the esteemed privilege of getting an invite to our St. Patrick's Day party. You have to show up with one decision made in your mind, and that is J-Mo or Fireball. Uh, so I'm not drinking because I can't drink. Oh, well, I, I am drinking, I'm, 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 but I'm having a cider, and I'm saying that because you shouldn't be ashamed to drink ciders. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. Um, <laughs> because when you're on an elimination diet for your eosinophilic esophagitis and you can't have gluten, possibly not until July... You know, you got to make do what you get. And I wasn't about to have a gin and tonic tonight. So I'm having cider. I picked the one that's 7%. So I'm going to have a good time. Ah, man, it says 7% on the menu, 65 on the can. But we'll get there. Lies. We'll get there. So, okay, we do have some players to talk about. Let's take a quick break and then uh, get into that. Suge, you do, do have a glass to clink still. So um, there are plenty of new bills to talk about and and new as we said interpretations to take from that so let's get into it soon got into Frank Howard yeah, I got it. into trouble. What do you do? Ty's battle? Um, no. no not, not, that's not Ty's battle. No, there. He got suspended for a game for a team infraction. So we went after. Uh, <clears throat> so we allegedly went after Antonio Brown. It didn't work out. We signed Cole Beasley. We signed John Brown. We got the kick returner who has fumbled 17 times in the last seven seasons, or vice versa. Uh, thank you to B-Bills MNY for that stat lookup. Um, what does this tell us about where these bills are headed come draft day? We got the center. We got some O-line depth, not, not any, like, standout offensive line players. But if we're going to glean anything from this based on what they clearly have an appetite for and the boxes they've already checked... What's left on the list? I've got some ideas. Suj, we'll start with you. I think legitimate tight end is still on the list. Um, who's the, the guy that they got? I can't. I'm not going to remember. <laughs> Here we go. It's already started. He's not even on our team yet. So how could we possibly? Like I want. Him? I keep wanting to say Tyler Eifert, and I know that's not <laughs> yeah, correct. I wish. 
Um, Zach, whatever, Zach Efron, I don't know, <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is. Ooh, I wish Zach, he's a hottie. <laughs> the guy from Kansas City. So, you know, okay, you know. Well, like, Kansas City is Travis Kelsey. We've not Kansas City, <laughs> shit, Cincinnati. The guy from Cincinnati. We got a guy from Cincinnati. Yeah, so I that's, I don't know what his fucking name is, okay? That's, and I don't care because I think he's a, you know, a second round or a second tier tight end. And I think maybe he'll do something, but I don't think he's that impressive. Tyler Croft is his name. Thank you, Cassie. Uh, but uh, I think that a legitimate threat at tight end is something that would be useful. Now, we did not see Josh Allen thrive in with people who have like wide catch radius. Right now, granted, that was Kelvin Benjamin who sucks ass. Um, <laughs> but we did see him thrive with depth and speed and things like that. And so, Wait, when how, we, how do we you went, even say that Kelvin Benjamin has a, has a wide catch radius? Well, because he's guy, supposed to be fucking big, and but be he able couldn't to go catch anything. Even though it was in his I hand. know he sucks. But what I'm saying is that at least we didn't. And with all of the all of the big guys, we started off I the know season with all the big, big receivers, Andre Holmes and whatnot. Anyways. Once we went to smaller, faster guys, we, d- we did better. And so maybe the thought is that, okay, you're going to get this guy. Um, John Brown. John Brown. <laughs> That's going to be really bad all year. Oh, John Brown. You're going to get, I know the one guy, Cole Beasley. That's the only one I know, okay? And Mitch Morse, the morsel. That's what we're calling him. But anyways, you're going to get these fast, speedy, shifty guys, and then we're going to do something. But I do think that they still have an intention of getting, you know, at least one larger pass threat and that might be a tight end that might be a number one wide receiver um so i think that's a whole and i want to say one thing about the offensive lineman that we got we talked about that it's only depth <clears throat> the way that i heard this interpreted was these were guys that were second string behind legitimate guys right so it's not that they weren't necessarily starting caliber it's that the guy that was in front of them it's harder to take that position I, away i think that's best case scenario best but okay. case scenario but like that the Ty Naseki. yeah how do yeah. i know that name yeah I, that's, okay that's fine but you know huge guy and anytime he played he played really well but he's just not going to win the game not going to win the starting job away from the person in front of him and so i think that'll be really interesting to see how many of these guys can emerge as a number one starting um, starting l- lineman, uh, even though they weren't one on their own team. Cass, anything else to address before I get into some of the receiver takeaways? Well, I want to address Suja's inability to just come up with American commonplace names. <laughs> like John Brown, oh, Joe Kevin, Brown, Jim Kevin Brown, Johnson. Jim James. These what are are just, just go to like just the every you know 17 friends that have these names and just say that name hey it's been a while since we've signed a williams yeah right exactly um i mean but what did that ever get us it got us to the playoffs um my overall perspective is i am (laughs) once in 18 years i know (laughs) hey come on give us something got us kyle i'm i'm cautiously optimistic is what i'm going to say because I don't think I agree. I don't think any of these guys are going to come in and blow our minds and they aren't like you know day one going to make a difference except for maybe Mitch Morsey whatever the the center, okay? I know that one. Morsey? Morsey? Morsel. Morso, right? Morson. Um it's making it harder for Suge. But <laughs> what I where where my optimism comes from is the value that I think Bean and McDermott have been able to find in players that we didn't quite know about that we're like, oh, okay, like like Milano. We drafted Matt Milano, right? He's done pretty well. The whole Lorenzo Alexander thing, eh, he's done Taren pretty Johnson. well. Taron Johnson. Like, Jordan Poyer. Yeah, so I, and that's where my optimism all, all comes from. All defensive players. 
Correct. <laughs> so I think they're about to hit the jackpot on the on the offense because we we haven't gone in that direction in a while. That we had that discussion at great length last season in many different ways. The thing I want to say about the receiver thing and about the receivers we signed and Suj, I'm gonna I'm, I agree with you. I, I actually think it's it's harder though to name the positions with with few exceptions obviously we're not getting a quarterback at nine that we won't draft i think cornerback is very much in play yeah linebacker could be in play defensive lineman offensive lineman like all these positions tight end for sure wide receiver yes probably safety maybe not but but what's great is that you're saying is not one of those places are we desperate at so when we say we're gonna draft the best player available shit we actually can draft the best player available or trade back and get more draft picks. But, like, we're not desperate to get one or the other. Totally agree. And I love the position we're in. However, what irks me as a lot of the coverage around these new receivers and about, well, we got to get a big pass-catching tight end, I like the new receivers. I like what we have in John Brown. I think as a compliment to Robert Foster, if he can, if he can keep his head on straight, who knows what the future holds for Zay Jones – Cole Beasley appears to be Isaiah McKenzie, but way better. You know, I like what we did there. What I don't like is all of the coverage uh, around these receivers talking about and taking as a given Josh Allen's inaccuracy. How many seasons and what is it going to take for that narrative to finally go away? Or am I not remembering this properly? Because we were so bludgeoned with the narrative of Josh Allen's inaccuracy, only to then watch him play and think, huh, he didn't seem that inaccurate. Like, I mean, we, we saw E.J. Manuel throwing the ball all over the field, and granted, he spiked a couple every once in a while, but, like, I feel like this... this Fitzy? Tyrod? E.J.? I mean... Now, granted, like, we should, we, we should not have such low standards for our quarterback, but... The way that Josh Allen is still talked about and his accuracy issues, to me, does not align with the quarterback that I remember watching at least in the latter half of 2018. So as people think, well, you don't need you don't need a catch radius guy when you got an inaccurate quarterback with like Josh Allen. It's like, okay, well, may- maybe you just don't need a catch radius guy. Like, well, why not just get a guy who can get open? I mean, it, who, who cares about Josh Allen's accuracy? Because... It's not even that big of a, a story. Or am I not remembering correctly? Suge, step me right. Yeah, no, so these fuckers from PFF's podcast, all they talked about was, oh, well, it's great to have Cole Beasley. T- too bad you don't have a quarterback that I can get to him. This is a guy based on timing. This is a guy that gets... And then another guy from PFF who was actually coming onto a Buffalo show, so he was not being as much of a dick, um, which I'll get into PFF late next, but... but he basically said that, yeah, you know, Josh Allen has issues with accuracy. So maybe it's not about the fact that it's timing. It's that, that Cole Beasley can get separation. It's not that he needs, you know, a huge catch radius guy because a huge catch radius guy is someone that goes up for contested passes, and that is where you need perfect placement of the ball. Um, and so you need to be able to go up and get a catch, and it needs to be put in the right spot. So you do need to have, like, micro-precision in that situation. But a guy that just gets open then that gives Josh Allen an outlet, and you can just throw it in his general vicinity. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but, you know, It doesn't have to be placed down or up or left or right. It just needs to be at the receiver, and he can get open. And so that, to me, makes sense in terms of if the person's open, Josh can get it to him. 
it, it might not be the perfect placement of the ball, but it, it'll be in his general direction. As long as he's open, then that's going to be fine. But I also do think that that narrative is a bunch of bullshit. We all know that Josh Allen has the highest downfield um, uh, throw yeah. percentage of anyone. You're not supposed to be very accurate when you're throwing down the field that much. I think the next closest person we I heard was somewhere around 10 to 15%, and Josh Allen was like 20% downfield. So you're not supposed to have a high percentage. Now, would it be nice if Josh Allen was better at making some of those short throws if he got the extra 5 to 7% of his completion percentage just for making screen passes and things like that? Yeah, like little that, swing yeah, passes. Yeah, that Sam Darnold does all the time. Um, would it be nice to have that? Yeah, but the only reason it would be nice to have that is because it would make the number better. It doesn't mean that we don't get down the field as much. Um, and so I think that's a stupid, stupid thing. And then you also have to remember I, that I sent this stat out last time that of the 100 receivers in the NFL, our receivers, Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, um, Robert Foster, Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie. No, but the point is they had the, one, some of the highest drop percentages uh, yep. in the NFL. Charles we Clay. had Charles Clay. We had his main receivers, his, the people that were supposed to be his number ones, Charles Clay. They were at the bottom now, uh, of will, the list. I, but I, one has to interject that John Brown's not sitting pretty on that list either. I'm just putting it out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's fair. But he's also again. That's also another deep ball catcher. Yeah. So you maybe you're not supposed to. And, and so just hit exactly what I was gonna say. I feel like the narrative. I remember. What do I remember the most about last season? Was how many times you complain about wide receivers not making catches when they were in their hands. Like, I mean, all you have to do really is go back and listen to our podcast because like. We, we talk about these things immediately following the game, when it's fresh in our heads. And 100%, Cassie, like, I, th I remember we gave him the Labatt Blue MVP several weeks because nobody's out there helping him out. Yeah. That, that's and, what we kept saying. And, and that's what it is. Like, And I'm saying, like, I don't think he's the most accurate player, but do, but do we need him to be? I need him to put it in the vicinity of a wide receiver and a player's got to make plays. Thank you. That's yeah. it. And and I think that's an important distinction to make. That I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you that Josh Allen is some kind of not, not Tony Romo dime, or Tom Brady dime dropping puts it put, like no. But what but also but about what I am telling you is that he's not winging it into the third row and missing guys by a mile. And if you listen to how people talk about him, like there is there is something in between there, and he is in between there. But he's also more like Brady than he is like the guy who throws it into the third row. Right. If, and if it's a spectrum, he's on the positive side of the ledger. Right. The guy that was on the, uh, on, I think it was Howard and Jerry or Shopin the Bulldog, which, man, I could hear those guys, you know, they, they, their homer was breaking when this guy was talking. And, and it's, frankly, the guy was talking out of his ass. It's a guy that doesn't watch Bill's games but looks at Bill's stats. Um, but the the point is, is that no, he looks even, at he looks at the bogus stats that they came yeah, up that with. Yeah, that they think is important. Literally, they paid somebody seven dollars an hour. His to put justification for, them. for every single thing he said was, "Oh well, we don't have him graded that high. We don't have that 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 metric being that high." And so the point is, though, that at the end of all of that, even after he said all that, he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of just similar to Cam Newton," and I'm like, "Oh." Oh, okay, fine. Oh, oh Jesus he, Christ! You can do a whole lot worse than that. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, if you're comparing him to be the guy who got MVP three long years ago. Yeah, and I mean, it's also time that we got over the narrative that the only way for a quarterback to play is being a pocket passer. I mean, Russell Wilson, right? Uh, hell, even look at the other. That Josh Allen's running ability was used against him and still is blows yeah. my right. mind. I mean, and it's not that, you know, when you I just wish you wouldn't run as much. Why? Why? Yeah, why? 
Why? When there's, when there's 20 yards of open field in front of him, and he's a world-class athlete, and he can pick up and 30. And he's not getting hit. What? Why? You know, it's, Why? it's not a, like he's getting hit. It is a tactically sound maneuver. Take yeah. the yards that are there. Right, yeah, that's what they always say, right? Dump off. Just uh, put the hands in your playmakers. Guess what? He's the he fucking the playmaker. playmaker. <laughs> you know? He's 6'5". Sub- I know. Our running backs are far more likely to get okay, hurt so that's, than him. That's, right? I, I, I want to I put a bow on this, Cass. Do you have anything else to say? We're running about 35 minutes now. Not a ton else to say, but there is one more thing I want to say. But So on, on this quarterback conversation, you have the last word. I, I mean, the only, the only concern I have is I don't want to change Josh Allen from who he is. They are who we thought they were. So the signing of Colby. This guy who fucking throws it 70, ex- mu- exactly. 70 yards downfield. Exactly. And jumps over linebackers. So if we throw to Cole Beasley twice a game, three times a game, he's a slot receiver. I, I, I just I don't want them to try to force Josh Allen or get into his head. I want them to give him free reign. He's like a wild stallion <laughs> that just needs to be put out to pasture. He just needs a Ken Dorsey. Right? Like just don't don't try to make him into what he's not. I love it. So uh, what, what, one, one other thing, though, he's also a, a second-year player, though, right? So he should still develop. It sounds like that's so also yeah. We should every good quarterback should be able to throw a slant. I mean, you come on, you would get fucking moist if you saw a Bills player rut, routinely throw a slant pass. We haven't been seeing that shit since forever. One one slant pass with yards after the catch, please. You, yards yeah. after the catch. Do you know what? You know what? I will. I will. Uh, and I'm sorry. I know, but anyway, I do want one more thing. I want to talk about. And it's it's relative to the offense. But the last thing on Josh Allen, we were so stupefied. Uh, after the Charles Clay drop in the end zone against Miami. Ah. And the reason we were, I want to come back to now because it's, it's, it's more true now than ever. If, if he makes that catch, the whole narrative on Josh Allen, even through today, is different. That's a comeback. That's a 40-yard through-the-air pass. But more player making a play for his quarterback. More importantly, yeah, Charles Clay might still be on the goddamn roster. More importantly, the drive until that point is what will get forgotten and has been forgotten. He was throwing dimes on time, moving the offense. He moved the offense like 42 yards in like 11 seconds. And it was like quick outs to Isaiah McKenzie over the middle to Robert Foster on an out pass to like Zay Jones. He was just bang, 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 bang. And like if Charles Clay makes that catch, the, and by the way, the, the, the also lost in that drive was the clear pass interference on the back shoulder throw to Zay Jones at the two-yard line, which should, which should have been called, but if, even if it hadn't been, Yes. Zay Jones would have you, had, New Orleans. We got that on our end, too. Would have had to have made it. He would have made an impossible catch on it, which, you know, nobody expects from Zay Jones. The whole narrative on Josh Allen changes with that one fourth quarter comeback. So, again, if we want to point to performances and, and him hitting receivers who are open, guys like Isaiah McKenzie get, get open in space, it's on fucking tape, PFF. Go watch it. It's, it's like this is no hidden secret. It's there. It was there in a big moment in a, in a division game on the road as a rookie. It was in Charles Clay's hands, and he dropped it. If he didn't, this whole conversation is different. Okay, I want to shift. Wait. I wanna no, sh- now you got me riled up. You done did it. I'm not even drinking, and I, that fast beating is going on in my heart, that same anger that would have made me just chug a fucking beer and take this microphone and just spit straight fire is back in my spirit. 
And this motherfucker from PFF, let me tell you the other thing he did, okay? At the end of the conversation, show for Bulldog, I don't know which one of those motherfuckers is which, and he says, did you see a difference? One, one is considerably less insufferable than the They're other. They're both fucking horrible. No. Okay, so they... One of them's about to die on the microphone every single day. All right, I don't like either of them, but uh, Howard and Jeremy, you're my boys. All right, Sal, yeah, you're my girl. One of those guys right. is way less insufferable than the other I know, I know. Too. So listen, so the... At the end of the conversation, he says, "Are you, do you think there's a difference between Josh Allen pre-injury and post-injury? Yeah. And he says, no, not Our not analysis didn't show it. Yeah, not, that, a, not appreciably. I know the, I know the exact like, interview you're talking about. Are you fucking kidding me? This is how I know you don't watch any football. That's, you're you're credi- a fucking idiot. Your credibility just went out the window. Yeah, just completely gone for anyone that actually watches games. Yeah. So, anyways, the, the one thing I do want to say, last thing, the Marcel, why it's so important. Oh. I, I do think that, you know... This kid has played with rookie or young wide receivers. He calls protections. He calls protections. He takes a lot off the, the, the wide receiver. And granted, you know, whatever, Patrick Mahomes is a fucking god. But Patrick Mahomes also learns from Charles Clay. Or sorry, learns from... What? Wow, what the wow, fuck is Wow, here happening? we go. Alex Smith and had a great center. Who did we have to play center for our rookie quarterback? Was it Duke Preston? I can't remember. I don't know. Fucking Ryan Groy. Now, great. Ryan Groy was great when we had someone that had been Matthew, played for a long Matthew time. Matthew Bodine? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's going to make a huge fucking reason. I think, I mean, obviously, that's what we paid the most money for. And I think that the one thing that we said is that, hey, I don't think this is a, a, a regime that sticks with its guns just because they want to stick with their guns. They let go of Cal- Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. They let go of Percy Harvin. Is that was that us? Was that don't, this don't, guy? Don't don't try to name players. You're yeah, so it's bad. No, what I'm saying is the, they they let. Well, no, but they didn't draft Charles Clay. So that they let or they didn't get him in free agency. The point is that they're not so stuck. So we've seen people turn around on their quarterback relatively quickly, and I, and I think that this team not only said, hey, we're happy with what Josh did. They said, we're going to triple go. the investment in Josh Allen. Okay, great. So one of the ways that they can triple that investment, and they kind of have, the, the last thing I want to talk about, and, it, and maybe we shouldn't because we could Don't otherwise upset. end on a high note talking about the quarterback. Let's talk for a second about our running backs room. Because our baby. if we if we don't draft a running back before the fourth round, what are we doing? What what's going on there? What's uh what's what's the expectation? And I, I don't know. Is, are they planning on for Fred Jackson to come back from retirement to play? At, at this at this pace, it sort of seems that way a little bit. The but Suge, as, as we talked briefly at Cassie's on Saturday, we mentioned as it pertains to Josh Allen, when you've got 20 yards of real estate in front of you, just go ahead and take it. If we're going to spread out the field and put fast guys out there and we've got a fast guy with the ball in his hands, it would seem to me that a running back who can just pound it up the middle, who put, you know, as they say, put your foot in the ground and go, okay, which was Carlos Williams, by the way. Missed that guy. Uh, his, He's bad, his isn't he? crazy ass. Uh, but it's Frank Gore. Now, Frank Gore is old, and we don't expect much from him. It's sort of Chris Ivory. I don't, I can't envision a planet where both of those guys are on a roster at the end of training camp. But it's not Shady McCoy. And Brandon Bean keeps saying he's in our plans for 2019. And so help me God why nobody has raised their hand and said, well, can it also be in your plans to trade him? Because... I don't see why we have all of these old guys in the running backs room, and one of those guys doesn't seem to fit 
with what you would strategically want from a running back when the middle of the field is wide open, which is, hey, man, just put your head down and get six to eight yards. And if there's an opportunity to make one guy miss and pick up 50 or 60, great. But for now, just get those yards right up the middle. Especially because that's what was successful last year. It was Chris Ivory that was successful. It wasn't shady. But I think that, you know, these guys are all about chemistry, right? Those two train together, um, you have, uh, Shady and, and Frank Gore. And I think that Frank Gore is just a massive upgrade over Chris Ivory. I think that he's proven himself in the league far more and that even his last season with a team that was not that great, he was way better. I think he actually had more yards last year than Shady. Yeah, well, I'm sure he did. He did. I mean, it's not hard more than Shady, but I mean, we can look it up. But certainly, like, his performance was better than Chris Ivory. So I think they thought of him for the exact same price tag, right? It's two million savings on the cap, and then if we get rid of Chris Ivory, and it's two millions to sign this guy. I think they just think of that as an upgrade. And then, hey, if this can be the spark that gets Shady going again, and then maybe. The thing that we, the, we're going to give Shady a break because we had such a bad offensive line that maybe now that we have a reasonable offensive line, Shady will be better. I'm shaking I don't my know. head. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I, they don't think that Shady's lost all the gas in his tank. I think that's that that that's. You heard it here first. Shady McCoy is not going to be on the opening day roster. I. What, what makes me nervous is I feel bad for Frank Gore because I feel like Jeff Day is going to have a terrible hatred of Frank Gore and he's going to be like a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I just It makes zero sense as to why Why would Jeff would, hate Frank Gore? I why? don't know because I feel like he'll be the person that like Jeff Day narrows in on and just has this like Oh, Frank Gore, why did we draft him? Like, and in and in thirteen games started, like you with Jerry Hughes. Yeah, thir- even though he's fucking awesome, and so is Frank Gore. <laughs> in thirteen games started, Shady McCoy had five hundred fourteen yards and three touchdowns. In fourteen games started, Frank Gore had seven hundred twenty-two yards and zero touchdowns. So he it's had, not even close. He had almost fifty percent more yards, forty percent more yards than Shady McCoy. Yeah, I mean, the guy has always played well, and he continues to play well despite his old ass. But his style of running. Yeah, that's what they said four years ago, too, though. No, 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 no. His style of running seems to be much more aligned with what would be a better fit for the Bills and what they clearly value in their running backs. And it could not be more different than what LaShawn McCoy does. Yeah, but I feel like you need that one-two punch. I just don't think you need that one-two punch with two running backs that are. I think you get that one-two punch with a guy who's ten pounds lighter, but a step and a half faster, and twelve years, twelve, fifteen, sixteen years younger than Frank Gore, and nine million dollars cheaper than Shady McCoy. <laughs> right, right. So like, I hear what you're saying, but like, if you have to account for, I don't know, I just. That Shady McCoy was such a disappointment last year that the money tied up in him and that we've brought a guy in older than him. <laughs> and, 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 and that's my point. That doesn't make sense because I am telling you guys this. Shady McCoy, that was a one-off season. That is not going to happen again. All right. With this from, offensive line. From your lips to God's with, ears. Yes, exactly. With this depth and this offensive line and Josh Allen and everything, it was a one-off year. All right. And I am promising you that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it I do the, believe well, that he okay. is a system He's a system running back, and I think that the system will be in place next year. I'm with Cassie. All right. We'll leave it at that. Uh, I, are we going to do a wild card, or are we just going to call oh, it? Yeah. Oh, no. We're definitely doing a wild card. All right. All right. We'll stay tuned for wild card then. This has been fun. I can't believe we actually have uh, 
milked 45 minutes of this out. We're like the last. We've so, talked nothing about free agents. You realize yeah, that. Well, we but, yelled about PFF. We talked about Antonio Brown. But why would we? I, I mean, know, it's, it's been effectively over for a week and a half. You're not going to hear us say anything that nobody else has already said until you just did. You Fuck just you, spent PFF. 45 minutes hearing some new hot shit, baby. That's Woo! what you get at Bills and Beers. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of tonight's episode. It's the wild card! As I already said, I've been having a little 6.5% cider here on Bills and Beers to talk about the Bills, do so drinking beer. It's all right. You know, it's the Vandermill. Uh, I know that uh, Western New York is like kind of big cider country because of all the apple orchards and all that shit, but it's just not for me. I'm about to have my third, and I'm whatever. But it, it's a terrible life. At least you're living. I just, I just wish this was so much happier. And uh, who's, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll get to the end of this, and it's been, it'll be soy. Soy is the thing that's holding me back. That's good. Except soy's in everything. That's fine, though. Yeah, it is. But so is dairy, and so is gluten, and so is eggs. And I would, I would give my left arm right now to have one of those back. Just take the medicine, man. Just take the medicine. <laughs> and uh, by the way, can we just take it aside that I'm going to start charging you fuckers for gastroenterology advice? Hey. <laughs> Not you, Cassie. You're the only normal <laughs> person, okay? Oh, you except, you, except when you freeze off your toes. That's the only time. That was only been, one time. You getting a lot you got of Jeff too. Well, listen, I'm not telling. I've, I've, I'm sworn to a Hippocratic oath that I don't talk about people's <laughs> shit. Okay, <laughs> literally, don't talk about people's shit. So, anyways, but uh, so you didn't like it? It's just eh. It's just the cider. Can I talk some about something? Yeah. Okay, I'm not drinking right now, but recently we put on a play for my daughter's school oh, that all yes. the grown-ups had, and I was charged with making the vol the beer cano. Which was a full up, full size volcano with a smoke machine, red lights coming out of it, covered in in stone, like actually spray paint stone, so it looked like lava rock. He lived in that suburb. Life. The most important thing is that inside the volcano, you reached into the fiery goodness of that volcano and all the steam, and there was a tap handle, and that's where it held the keg. It so really it was, was glorious. You showed it, the pics. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. So the the beer I want to talk about, because it was um, a party dedicated to the Stone Age, is Toppling Goliath's Beer Pseudo Sue. Oh, That's yeah. their everyday great, great, great IPA. And you can't say enough about Named Toppling for. Goliath in general. Named for the dinosaur here the at T-Rex. the Field Museum, the T-Rex. In the lobby. Uh, Sue. Name is Sue. So they have... Pseudo Sue, and then they have King Sue, and the reason I thought about it is that is on the menu here at Lincoln Station. It's their double IPA, but you can't go wrong with Toppling Goliath. They have amazing beers, both the Pseudo Sue, the King Sue, and the Fire Skulls and Money. Sweet Jesus, that is good. Is the Pseudo Sue done in partnership with the Field Museum? Yeah, yeah, it's, they're both done in partnership with the Field so Museum. Do so. the museum get proceeds? I don't know how it works, but Let's I know say that they yes. Get, yeah, even more reason to drink their beer. Right. Cass, what were you having tonight? I also how love uh, love how Sidge is like, oh yeah, I had to make this volcano and it had to have this and had I, I don't think it had to have shit. I oh, think no. Suji made this oh, up. Oh no! Let me tell you about where I live up in the suburb that I live in. Yeah, it's very competitive. These motherfuckers do not play around. You walk around for Halloween and people have like dead people, like literal cadavers just sitting in their lawn. A lot like, of doctors in Parker. Good, good thing you're a doctor. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff that they do. That like I'm just like, how the fuck do you have a volcano sitting in your house somewhere? Well, how how do you just randomly have a fucking fog machine volcano? Well, now I know. 
because they do these things all year round, and suddenly sitting in their basement is a beer cano. Now I got one. Guess what I'm using for Halloween? I was going to say, again, all the, all the different reasons to have a beer cano. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see where the crea- creativity takes you. I love my simple life in 1,500 square feet where we rarely talk to our neighbors. It is <laughs> wonderful. That's why I'm not moving to the suburbs. Uh, what I am drinking is a great beer out of G-Rap. Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you're in the know, you call it the G-Rap. Okay. All right. Uh, But it's a a typical Cassie Hutton beer. It is a premium lager. Not just a lager. Premium lager. But you know what it sold me on? It's called Solid Gold. I knew it was going to be light, tasty, pure gold. Love it. I would recommend trying it out. Suge, get us going here on the wild card to wrap up tonight's episode. So, you know, first of all, there's something about Lincoln Station, man. I came here on, uh, it was free agency Wednesday, and I was kind of revved up about the bills. I was hungry, kind of wanted some wings. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to Lincoln Station. And so I sat here and had some wings and had a beer. And wouldn't you know, I'm sitting in our usual seat. I randomly just start screaming at the TV about some sports event, and I end up drinking way too much on a regular weekday, and it doesn't make any fucking... I'm like, what is it about this place? It's like, it had nothing to do with the Bills. There was no reason I should have been that passionate about whatever was on the screen, and yeah, that happened. So, the uh, it must have been the Sabres game. I guess that was probably the thing that was on. So, still, still shouldn't have been that passionate because I don't care. Uh, but the thing is that there's something about the Lincoln Station that just works. These beautiful TVs that they have, the good food menu, the great beer list, all these things that matter. And what did we all sit down and look at? We're like, the goddamn mural they have here with the big train and the random like light over a, a lounge chair with a like something. Yeah, just it's weird. It's stupid and weird. And we're like, and it's been here. Forever. <laughs> they but painted the other wall, which this, looks this, nice now. This is a good opportunity to remind our listeners that we've been sitting at the same table more more often than not. It's, it's been reserved for us for like the last nine years. But we've been sitting at that table, at least the three of us, since Around 2006. Th- yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. One, one it's a long Some time. Some of you for, guys since 2002, right? It's, it's a long time for a bar to be in existence. It's even longer time for a bar to be in existence in the same place and not have painted over this whack ass <laughs> mural. We need to tweet out a picture of this mural, by the way, just so people can see this. But but can I? I always like to. S- oh, oh, but one, one more on the mural. This mural also exists in like the deep recesses of my mind, <laughs> to the extent that like I was looking at a picture that had the the uh, the sofa with the lamp over it that you just referenced and the and the chessboard. Uh, tile it it's like I don't understand what the relevance is. It was in the background, and I was looking at this picture with that, and I was like, "What? Why do I know that? Why do I know that so well?" And Jackie's like, "That's at Lincoln Station." I was like, "Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. That that's that wall that I've stared at for like, literally. If you accumulate the hours for like weeks of my life, um, so but it it just kind of gets in there because it's it's it it's it all at the same time totally ignorable, while also being peculiar and unmissable." I, I just want to say the number of years that we've been coming to Lincoln Station, if I would have had a child or any of us would have had a child on that first moment, they'd be going through puberty right now. Uh, that is scary. Or they, they may be past period with all the 
you know, steroids and all the things that's in the meat. Hell, if they keep coming to these Bills games, they're probably knocked up at this point. (laughs) Uh, So the point is that this shit has nothing to do with our enjoyment at Lincoln Station, and yet that's what we decided to zero in on today and be like, why the fuck do they have this mural here? Like, who cares? We've never spoken critically about the mural because it's very, very, like, who's the artist that makes faces out of, like, geometric shapes and they look all twisted and weird looking? Picasso. Picasso. Oh, yeah, that's what you're talking about. All right. Yeah, that's it has a weird Picasso mixed with that picture of the people at Night the Hawks. diner. Yes, Nighthawks, which is on, yeah. on display at the uh, at the Field Art, Museum. No, Art, Art Institute. <laughs> the Art Institute, yeah. which is down the street from the Field you're, Museum. You're 100% right. Where you can honor Pseudo Sue and, and the And I'm sure Sue. that's like what the inspiration for this was, was something, anyhow. Coming back to the Bills, <laughs> we just talked a lot about some shit that don't matter. So we've had these major off-season overhauls, changes to the actual things that matter on the Bills, the players, the coaches. Uh, maybe even the, the work, the training facilities have really improved, and a lot of the players said that that was a big reason why they were coming. So these are the things that matter. So what I want to ask you guys is, what would you change, and what do you feel really passionate about changing well, about I, the Bills that just doesn't fucking matter at all? I, I, I don't feel passionate about it, but I, I got a big one. I got a big one. I changed the logo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I just learned to draw that fucking thing. It's a pretty easy draw. I, I've showed you my minimalist version of it, right? More on that later. The It's hard for me to say because I, I obviously have a strong connection to that logo. It's a visceral connection. But I don't like wearing it. And it's, not, it's kind of like a cheesy logo. It's, it was, it's sort of way ahead of its time in that regard. You know, I, in the standing buffalo, I, I would rather wear the standing buffalo, but I think that's just like the last thing you want from your sports logo is a giant mammal out grazing. Like that doesn't, you know, and we're not the bison. It, we don't right, have to, we don't right. have to be tied to this animal. It doesn't have to be that. It could be like a really cool stylized bee. I would like wearing it, and I could feel some sense of pride in it. I just recently. The logo, eh, I just eh, I take I take it or leave it. Well, we are the bills, so you could just be like a collection of like invoices Dollar that are past bills. due. Yeah. Just straight up a fucking stack of money. <laughs> so I, maybe that that maybe that'll get free agents here. Show me the money. Show, Show me the, the bills. Gas. So I know that this has been a discussion point in a lot of Buffalo and um, working in marketing and doing a lot of consumer research. The Bills have been doing a lot of this and reaching out to the fans to understand from a new stadium perspective, what do they want and blah, 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 blah. And that's what I want to change. Stop it. Stop it. A new stadium? No. The Bills are in Orchard Park, right? We don't need to be one of those teams that has the stadium downtown and you can go to all these restaurants and blah 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 and don't get me wrong i do go to a lot of bills games and i like when i go to a stadium that's downtown and like going to indianapolis or nashville or anything like that but that's because they don't have what we have right we are not a city with a a metropolis downtown so, so to, be, to clarify, the thing you would change was just to not change the thing. Just not change the thing. Just stop talking about it. Don't change it. I want to see this mural 40 years from now. Whoa. I'm just kidding, but yeah. I, it's a heinous mural. Yeah, it's, it's pretty heinous. I, I don't know who's like, because Ben didn't own this place when we, anyhow. No, no. No, but so like, 
I don't know. I, I, I think that there's something so rich in our heritage, and our heritage is not being a team with a fancy downtown stadium. I'm with you to a point. As a potentially future resident of the city of Buffalo, I think it'd be cool to have a nice, chic place to go to. Go to a Sabres game, then. Like I said, a nice, chic place to go to. The the thing I will challenge you on, which I've mentioned on this podcast, there's a goddamn cemetery in the middle of the parking lot at, at, at New Era Field. That shit ain't good for vibes and for juju. Like, I, I'm sorry, but, like, there's a lot of, like... Wait a minute. I qualified that this has to be something that doesn't make any difference. That clearly is a central part of my superstitions. So that clearly makes a huge fucking difference. That we're on a burial ground? Yeah. No, no, no. This has to be more. It's not okay. It's not Not okay. okay. Then bring some candles on. We'll seance. We'll bring out a freaking Ouija board. We'll talk to them. Girls, don't don't fuck with Ouija boards. I I know. Actually, you don't. But 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 my whole point is not in a cemetery. Fuck! You guys just said Ouija board three times. You want an attachment? You do that shit in a cemetery. But my my whole point is is like, I'm always gonna go back to this. Like, just don't take the buffalo out of the bills, Mm. right? Like Mm. that. that, Put that on a shirt. I know, right? That is the parking lots. That is the blue collar. Right, I know it's an orchard it's, it's park. In the bush Don't take, buffalo. Yeah, no. They're literally trying to put the buffalo in the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the bills in the buffalo. The, bill, like, the bills in the move buffalo. Move that shit to Lockport if you yeah, want. Yeah, right. But like, I like th- jumping on tables is what we've become famous for. Like, let's not try to become this like sophisticated group that thinks I, I, it's just it's not who we are. It's not who the team is. It's not who our fans are. And I don't know. I don't think it's what the players would want either. I, I think they like yeah. that camaraderie and that rowdiness 100%. that comes in. Hundred percent. I think Cassie. I think the Pagulas know that, and I, I think that I think that they're because they're going to build a new stadium. Okay, they're going to build. But here, here why don't you just build but, it there? But I, but I think I think Cassie that they're keenly aware of that to the extent that like that is their challenge. How do we modernize this while maintaining the character? That you're talking about, and I, I'm curious. I, I I I want it to happen just because I'm curious to see how it comes out the other side, because it is a balancing act, and it ain't a, it, and part of it is like they're gonna have to raise ticket prices. Correct, and and, that, and that's gonna dig into the character too. Correct, and I I, I think I take this as because I have traveled to a lot of Bills away games, and I will tell you, Indianapolis, great stadium downtown, Nashville, great stadium downtown, weak fans. They don't tailgate. It, I mean, it's just so soft. So you don't just, think if they build it, they will come? Like, the, like doesn't matter where you put it, the fans will be the fans? No, the I fans? don't. I don't. I think that you create the atmosphere, and you need to give the fans the chance to, like, participate. And just being downtown and parking and going to a bar and not doing the tailgating in that scene and not giving them the ability to do that, you are going to ruin the state, the, the franchise. Love it. But you got to also account for places like Kansas City and even Chicago, right? Where there is, like, Kansas City's got great fucking tailgating, yeah. right? But it's not. And that's my point. I've been to Kansas City. Kansas City ain't downtown. Chicago. They got it. Chicago, but Chicago sucks. Chicago sucks. Chicago sucks. These, the, it's, what, $80 to park a car down, like, in the, the to tailgate? It's ridiculous. Denver is maybe a, a unique juxtaposition between where the stadium is located and, and tailgating, but they're still a little soft. Green Bay? All right. They don't got the issue. All right. All right. I um, I want to build a women's football league. <laughs> I want the Bills to start a farm women's football team. It's going to be a, a separate venture 
Kim Pagula is the man for the job. Yeah, exactly. She is a woman. I don't understand. I understand why people don't play football. I understand why kids are not getting into football because of concussions and all that shit. But I don't understand why women don't play football. Why can you not have women playing women, knocking the shit out of each other, playing football? And none of this bullshit in the fucking lingerie leagues. How fucking demeaning is that to women? But an actual real fucking football game. There's Hold no on, back reason. Back to the lingerie league. It's the concept is demeaning enough that women volunteer for that is it, to me is that's the real that's the canary in the coal mine right there that tells you everything you know about society. Yeah, I mean, but, right, but the, the the fact that people and, and told them it was a good I'm idea. I'm speaking yeah. to a man raising a daughter right now. I mean, like, yeah, what what yeah. what level of self esteem must you have? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, but that's the thing, though. But still, I would watch women's football. I'd watch any fucking football. I'll be honest with you, right? Whenever How about the, just when having knew, a spring league. How about like the like the the, uh, the Alliance guys? They did it this year. It's called the Alliance. Women's football? No, for men. They oh, did. Yeah. The, it's a spring league for men. Hey, it's, it's a. Why do we have? To, why? Why does it? Ha- why does it have to be gender specific? Why can't it just be football? No, but we can't. No, we can't. No, because you, you cannot have fucking Richie Incognito grabbing <laughs> the breasts. Of a defensive lineman football player across the way. No, you can't do okay. that. Any, no, but here's, any, here's any woman point. that's gonna line up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna grab the other she's breast. Gonna, yeah, she's that's true. Choke I know. It's gonna be awesome. So okay, so here's my idea. Turn the Jills. Take the organization that was around the Jills and turn it into a female football league. I wanna see a real good female football league. I don't understand why this doesn't exist. I know it has nothing to do with the fucking Bills, but I want a female <laughs> football league. Okay. Well, from your lips to God's ears, you know? I love how I thought you were going to go like, we need cheerleaders. Uh, you know what? I appreciate being a female. You don't want cheerleaders. You actually want women that are going to participate and play the sport that you love. Well, we have Or they could be on the sidelines, right? Like, they, they play on Saturday, and then they come to watch the Bills games on Sunday, and some of the guy players goes and watch their, their games on Saturday. It's like men and women in college, right? And then they, they come, and they're like, ah, fucking goddamn Mitch Morse. Like, you know, he missed that fucking call. And it's like, yeah, you know? It's like, oh, you think you can do better? And then, then there'll be that whole thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, that girl from the the, 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 the player from the girls' league is way better than, than our cornerback, you know, our starting cornerback on the Bills. Like, it'll be so much fun. Well, you heard, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Just search for Bills and Beers. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We'll be back on draft night. We'll be recording from, from Cassie's place, as is tradition. Tradition. And uh, again, uh, you know, the as we said, all we can do is interpret the facts as they present themselves to us, which are few and far between, and often don't tell the whole story. But based on our interpretation, we don't know what the hell is going to happen on draft night. So it's anybody's guess. I am going to, however, say that last year's draft night was just, you know, yeah. with the quarterback thing. Yeah. Like, talk about. I mean, if, try to try to put yourself in the shoes of you. 52 weeks ago and just how clamoring and on pins and needles all of us were about what was going to happen in quarter. This year's draft could Ooh. not be anything less like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm urging Bill's Nation right now to brace for letdown. It's not going to be exciting, but we'll be there to talk about it's it. It's going to be like Lars's massage that he has scheduled for tomorrow, like nice and relaxing. Can I say one thing? <laughs> that, um, but maybe there's a happy ending. <laughs> One thing we are not doing is we will not be turning on WGR to listen to Steve Tasker on the radio. That was god-awful and the most disappointing thing of draft day 2018. 
even knowing that jo- we, dr- we drafted Josh Allen. Just like you guys make fun of me because I go to BW3 because I live in the Burbs. I'm coming around on Mel Kuyper Jr. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sick. That Something life. wrong with me. You are. You are now. You have entered into the cross section of America. I don't like Todd McShay either because that motherfucker thinks he can do stuff. No. Isn't he the GM somewhere now? Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Right. Tell your loved ones. Tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. We'll talk to you on draft night. Until then, who knows? Maybe we'll wake up tomorrow and they've traded for fucking Andrew Green or whatever his name is. Or, or Jameson Jones. Who knows? Uh, but now until, you sound like me. But until draft night, go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.